Well, thank you, musicians. That's a hard act to follow. Luckily, I'm preaching and not singing, so uh, you can open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7 tonight. Uh, most of y'all should know me by now, but I'm Will. If you don't know me, I'm the youth pastor and associate pastor here, and I have the opportunity to preach God's Word with you this evening. Uh, we will be in Colossians 2, verses 6 to 7 this evening, and we're talking about receiving and living in Christ. When we talk about receiving Christ, it's more than just about a profession of faith. It's talking about this continued walk and this perseverance of our faith. It's this daily task that is focused and oriented around Christ and His Word. And so our culture has a tendency to start things well, but we often have a tendency to not continue well. I think specifically of New Year's resolutions, and maybe some of you all made resolutions this year, but usually by this time of the year we've forgotten most of those. So, for instance, it's very easy to join a gym. There's one in town you can join for $15 a month, no contract. It's much harder to wake up at 5.30 in the morning and get ready and go down to the gym and work out. It's very easy for us to start something, but it's harder for us to continue in it. Or maybe you decided you wanted to do a Bible reading plan this year, and you found one online, and you start in Genesis, and you get ready to start on January 1st, and it's going great, and then a few months in, you hit Leviticus, and all of a sudden you realize maybe that was a bad idea. <laughs> we often start well, but we don't end well. We don't continue in what we place our heart's desires on. And so often our motivations and our goals and our desires are changed, and often too easily they're changed. And sadly, if we're not careful, we can approach our relationship with the Lord the same way. We can profess Christ as Lord, we can, we can even profess that and begin to live our lives for Him, but then all of a sudden we stop living that profession each day. We get distracted, we do other things, it becomes difficult, it requires us to give up things or to do other things that we didn't know we were going to have to do. And so what we're going to see tonight is that continuing in our faith is essential for us as believers. To be professing born-again believers, we must not only profess our faith, but we must also be persistent in it, to continue in it, to persevere through the difficult times as well. And so tonight what we're going to do is look at Colossians chapter 2, just two verses, verses 6 to 7. And we're going to see how Paul lays out ways for us to continue in our relationship with Christ, to grow in our faith and to grow in Christ-likeness. And so looking in Colossians, it says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you are taught, abounding in thanksgiving." Please join me in prayer. Father, we are grateful for the opportunity we have to come and to, to worship you this evening. God, what a blessing it is to see the young musicians with their handbells and the singers and, and pianists and everyone else tonight bringing praises to your name. And God, we pray that as we study your word and as we open it, that you would speak to us clearly, not only through me, but to me as well. God, that we would live out our relationship with you that we will begin to live that out each and every day to continue what we've started, what you have begun in us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Paul here in Colossians writes to this church and reminds them that they have received the proclamation of Jesus Christ. Specifically, this, this proclamation is found in Colossians 1, verse 13 to 14, and it is this. Paul writes, He has delivered, speaking of Christ, us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption 
the forgiveness of sins. So Paul writes this letter most likely in prison, most likely around the same time as he writes the letter of Ephesians. And he writes this letter combating false teachers. He, he combats empty philosophies and meaningless restrictions and focuses on the preeminence of Christ. And he begins this section reminding the church at Colossae that it has received Christ. That it has received this story of the resurrection of Jesus, his death and burial and resurrection and what that means to the believers today. And so receiving this and understanding this goes much more beyond intellectual comprehension. He's not just saying you've heard it and you know it intellectually, but that you accept it. That volitionally you accept it and lay hold of the truth of the Scriptures and of Christ. And so Paul tells the Colossians, lay hold of Christ as your Savior. And not only lay hold of Him, but continue to live in Him. This text centers for us this idea that Christian living must be rooted in Jesus Christ. That our spiritual nourishment and our spiritual growth does not come from following rules, but it comes from the person of Jesus Christ. That it comes from our relationship with him, him, and with that relationship, we follow his rules and his commandments out of our love for him. And so Paul says, give your lives to the service of Jesus Christ. And we too are called to give our lives to the service of Jesus Christ, to submit our thinking and our living to his lordship. And so I want to begin by pointing out that our belief in Christ leads to a continual commitment to Christ. We had the beautiful opportunity this morning to see one of our young children get baptized in the first service. And Elise's decision is to place her belief in Christ, but her decision is also to have a continual commitment to Christ. And as believers, we're called to do the same. And so this commitment is seen in the way that we walk, the way that we live our lives. We are called to allow our entire lives to be defined by our submission to Christ. It's this active and ongoing process. 1 John 2, 16 says this, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Paul tells the believers, remain in Christ and continue in Christ. And so how does this look for us this evening? What does this mean for us as New Testament believers? It means that Christ establishes our values. It means that he guides our thinking and he directs our conduct. It means that Christ is Lord of our life. We don't come to him as a magical genie. We don't come to him as our good luck charm. We don't come to him even as a moral compass. We come to him seeing that he is Lord and Savior of our life. And so Paul teaches here that belief that doesn't have an impact on your actions and on your behavior is futile. That belief and practice must go hand in hand. You see, the belief aspect of this passage is believe and receive Christ the Lord, as you have been taught. But then the practical aspect of this is live or walk in Him. In other words, let your conduct be consistent with Christ's Lordship over your life. Let your life resemble the faith that you proclaim. And so if Christ is truly received in our lives and truly our Savior and Lord, then there must be a change in transformation. Cliff mentioned this morning in 1 Corinthians, the verse, we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed and how appropriate that was to go into a nursery. Babs and I may be putting that in, our, uh, in Hatcher's room. But about a year ago, I had a child, and I love Hatcher, but it is impossible for me to say that my relationship, becoming a father and having a son, 
did not change or transform me. You see, all of a sudden you do lose sleep, too much sleep. You begin to learn nursery rhymes, and you begin to sing those nursery rhymes and whistle those nursery rhymes while you're at work. And you begin to know all the YouTube videos of, of learning cartoons and Dave and Ava and all these things that you never would know. And you, you change diapers. You change more diapers. And then when you're done with that, you change a few more diapers. And you take photos and you look at those photos and you take some more photos and you show everyone in the world your photos because your life has been changed because of a relationship, because of a person. And the same goes for our relationship with Christ. When we accept Him, when we come into that relationship with Him, our lives cannot help but be changed and transformed. If my life as a father has changed so much, how much more should my life change when I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? How on earth could our lives look similar to somebody that does not know Christ? It cannot and it must not. Paul says our lives must be transformed. They must be different. We must walk as Christ walked. We must be transformed by Him. So it's easy for us to say that we've given our lives to Christ. So many people in the Bible Belt would say that they're believers. So many would claim this cultural Christianity that, that is completely unbiblical. But Paul says, don't fall prey to that. Don't fall prey to the philosophies and empty deceit of this world. Paul goes on to talk about this in verses 8 through 15 of how the world will lead us astray. Instead, we must allow Christ to permeate our entire life, to allow His truths and allow Christ to be so engraved and rooted in our lives that we do not sway away from Him and His truth. And so with these things in mind, I want to look tonight at four characteristics of living or walking in the Lord. Paul says through these verses that a life that is characterized by walking in Christ will be four things. One, it will be rooted in Him. Two, it will be built up in Him. Three, it will be established in the faith. And four, it will be overflowing with thanksgiving. So first we see that Paul says you will be rooted in him. Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8 reminds us of those that are truly accepting of the truth of the gospel and what that means to them. And it ties into this idea of being rooted. Jeremiah writes, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. When we live in the Lord and we walk in Him, we will be characterized by being rooted in Him. It makes it clear that to be a Christian, to live like Christ, we must be rooted in Christ. Paul writes in verse 19 that Christ is the head of the whole body, and so our existence relies on Him. It is He that gives us a new life and a new heart. It is Him alone and His Word that gives us spiritual nourishment and growth. Paul would write to the Romans in chapter 11, verse 16, If the root is holy, so are the branches. If we are connected to Christ, we will look holy, we will be holy because we are connected to Him. And so our ability to grow as Christians, to look like Christ, to walk like Christ, to live like Christ is founded because of our rootedness in Him. This rootedness is a, it emphasizes that we can glorify God only by remaining in Him. That we cannot glorify God by following rules or doing anything else but being rooted in Christ. And so a question for us tonight is, are our roots superficial or are they going deep? 
Are they just surface level? Do we appear to be strong? Do we appear to have a deep faith for God? But if we're honest, we would say that we really aren't rooted or continuing in Him. When I was in middle school, we were members of the Dublin Country Club, and I was playing golf at the time, and so they would have meals out there. And I remember one Sunday we went out to eat, and it's a, obviously a very nice place at the country club, very sophisticated, and they had a buffet, and we went down with my parents, and I remember getting some food. And if any of y'all know me, you know that I love bread, uh, that Jesus wrote, you cannot live on bread alone, and that's true. Bread and butter is so much better. Um, and so if you know me, I love it. And, and so I get to the country club, and I'm looking at all the food, and I bypass the salad, I bypass the vegetables, unless it was probably mashed potatoes, and I make my way down, and I get to the end of the table, and there's this beautiful God-given basket of bread, and these beautiful, melted, warm-looking rolls that are just glazed with butter. They look so delicious. My mouth is already drooling, and I'm just, oh my goodness, and so I grab one. I'm polite. I'll come back and get a couple other ones later. And I grab it and we sit down and I remember us praying and immediately I grab the roll and go, get ready to bite it. And I put it in my mouth and I bite and all of a sudden I realize this is not what I'm expecting. And I pull it out of my mouth and I look down and I see teeth marks and I realize that this is a foam roll and that it was there for display. That that melted beautiful butter was a plastic veneer, a, a, a shiny little covering of a foam object. And you could tell my heart melted inside of me, the shame and my parents laughing and walking back up and putting this roll back in the basket and turning it with little teeth marks. And what I found out was that bread was superficial. It was not real. That wasn't butter. That wasn't bread. It was something else. It was the shiny glazed painted foam, something that did not satisfy me. It was, appeared to be real, but until I got close to it or really too close to it, I found out that it was something else. And I wonder if our lives are the same way. I wonder if, the, if we appear to be Christians, that we appear to be rooted. That if we could fool everyone in the room and everybody would think that we'd have this deep, rooted relationship with Christ, but if we were honest with ourselves, we would say that we're like this foam bread. That on the surface we appear to be this beautiful, wonderful Christian, but deep down we have no roots in Christ. Proverbs 12.3 says, No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. He goes on to say in Proverbs 12.12, Whoever is wicked covets the spoil of evildoers, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. Paul tells us we are to be rooted in Christ. It's not just about a profession. It's about a relationship. It's about continuing in Him, about, of walking in Him, allowing the truths of the Scripture and of the Gospel to permeate our lives and to go deep in within us. So Paul says, be rooted in him. Secondly, a life that is characterized by living in Christ is built up in him. So Paul now moves on to a construction metaphor, this idea of something being built upon something else. As, you, as I've seen Hatcher progress and as he's grown, he hit a year in March, and it was amazing to see Bab sat, Babs and I sat one night looking at old pictures and seeing the different stages that he has progressed in. And you remember him starting with a bottle and then eating some rice cereal in his bottle and then slowly taking baby food and slowly, very, very slowly taking table food and eating other things. And you see him laying on his back and then laying on his belly and lifting up his head and learning to sit up and learning to crawl and learning to stand and all these different things building upon each other as he grows. 
And it reminded me of what we're supposed to look like as Christians as we begin this faith journey and we begin as a believer and professing our faith. And as we grow, we begin to grow and build upon the foundation of Christ. And we mature in our faith, and the same goes for our faith, that just as my son is supposed to grow and mature and, and be able to do things that he could not do a year ago, we too are supposed to grow in our relationship with God, that we are building upon the foundation of Christ, that he is our foundation, he is the rock of our faith. Psalm 62.2 says, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. So we have this idea of remaining and continuing in Christ, going deeper in our faith, but not only going deeper, but allowing it to be built upon Christ, going higher. Growth that is seen in a deeper walk, but also growth that is seen as more in a more fruitful walk. A walk that is continually get, that is producing fruit in our lives. And so what we see here is that growing in Christ is a continual process. It never ends for us. We don't just mature overnight. We are not a finished, pro a finished product. We're continually being shaped and built upon Christ each day. So we have to ask us, uh, ourselves this evening, are, are we becoming more and more like Jesus Christ? If you were to look back over your life over this last year, would you see growth? Would you see where God has brought you closer to his plans and purposes for your life? Has your affection grown deeper for him? Is he, be, is he building upon the foundation of Christ in your life? So we're rooted in him, we're built up in him, and then thirdly, we are established in the faith. So Paul says you will be established or you will be strengthened in, in the faith. So we're rooted, we're built up, we're established. God strengthens our relationship with him. He strengthens and settles our faith. He gives us confidence in what we know, unwavering confidence in our beliefs and trust in his promises. We understand and we accept and we grow and we are strengthened by the gospel. And just like the idea of being built up, it's an ongoing process. Our faith should be more firm, more strengthened, more established as we grow. We are to become unwavering in our beliefs in Christ, not tossed to and fro by empty philosophies and deceit. Hebrews 13, 8-9 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Paul says we are to go to the gospel to allow it to create strength within us. To not be un, or to not un, not waver from the faith and the truths of the gospel, but this strength does not come from ourselves. We are strengthened with power through the Spirit, as Ephesians three sixteen tells us. And so our belief is strengthened and is sustained through Jesus Christ alone. And then fourthly, we see that we are called to be overflowing with thanksgiving. When you look at this passage, you find that the first three participles, rooted, built up, and established, are all in the passive voice. This is important because it implies to us that divine action is essential for spiritual growth. So being rooted, being built up, and established is all something done by God. It is God who has rooted us in Christ, God who builds us up, God who strengthens and establishes the believers. And each of these are an ongoing process that he continues to do in our lives. But the last characteristic of a life that is walking in the Lord is one of overflowing thankfulness. 
And this participle is in the active voice, which means that God's actions, what he's doing in us, being rooted and built up and established in him, should lead us to overwhelming thanksgiving. That when we're truly thankful for what Christ has done and who he is, we are less likely to fall into sin and idolatry. That what, we, what God does in our lives makes us overflow with thanksgiving. We become thankful people. It's a characteristic of us. We're not criticizing everything. We're not complaining. We're thankful. When I was in college, I had some friends uh, that Babs roomed with and a couple of other ones came over to our apartment one time, and I was gone with my roommates for a couple of hours. We had an event that we had to be away from. And one of the girls that was with Babs uh, ended up having a key to our apartment because she lived there the year before, and her and her roommates moved out. We moved in, and we didn't know it, but she had a key. And we didn't change the locks, not you know, thinking that they had turned in all the keys. And so about six months into living this apartment, they came over to study. And so we were like, yeah, that's fine. And Babs was there studying. And we get back from our event, and I realized that we've been pranked. And these girls came over to the apartment, and they hid one, one pair of our shoes in every room and, and did all these other things. But one of the things that they did was when you walked up the stairs to our apartment, you walked up, and there was a little bitty flat that you entered all the rooms. There were three rooms upstairs. And on that flat, they had put the little bitty plastic kind of uh, like mouthwash cups you get at the dental office. And they had lined the entire flat on the second floor with those. And then they came back with a pitcher of water and they had filled those cups till there was a little bubble of water all the way over the top. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Well, then all of a sudden we get ready to move those where we can go to our rooms and go to bed. And as soon as you touch the cup, they overflow with water. Because they're completely filled and there's no way for you to get rid of them without spilling stuff everywhere. And so you look at this massive area and we're like, how in the world are we going to get out here? And so we grab towels and we just start pulling and it is just soaked. The cups are overflowing. And I was preparing this tonight. I thought about what a picture of what our lives should be as well. That when things come in contact with us, when we get squeezed and we, we uh, experience things in life, that we should be overflowing with thanks, thankfulness. Not complaining, but overflowing with thankfulness. That when times get hard, we're thankful for God's work in our lives. When times are good, we're still thankful. And that we're known by that thankfulness. And when people see us and they talk about us, they don't say, hey, that's a person that complains about everything, that's always griping, that's always gossiping. No, they say that's a person that is thankful for what God has done in their lives. That they are overflowing with thankfulness. There's this assumption in this passage that Christians will live with an attitude of thankfulness for the many blessings that God has given us. We need to remind ourselves of this daily. We're so easy to forget what God has done for us. In our church in North Carolina that Babs and I attended, we, uh, we did small groups instead of Sunday school. And every week in our small group, we would get together and we would have a meal together. And as we began our small group, we would go around and we would do something called evidence of, Evidences of God's Grace. And we would sit in a circle and we would start with one person and they would share an evidence of God's grace in their life that week. And I remember the first time that I sat there in that small group, and if you've ever been in a small group, you know there's some people that love to talk and other people that would just sit there and never say anything. And usually when I'm in a small group and I don't know a lot of people as we did then, I'm fine with being quiet and not talking. And so I sat there and I realized it was coming to me and I would have to say something and I began to think about what I was going to say. And I realized that I had never really thought about God's grace in my life that week. 
And what it calls me to do is stop and think about what has God done in your life this week that is an evidence of his grace. And the purpose of that was to let us see not only God is working in different ways in all of our lives, but it was a way for us to see that, or to remind ourselves that we are called to be thankful. That we are called to see that God is constantly and continually working in our lives. And I saw that it was this fruitful opportunity that it became one of those things that at first I hated to do because I was like, oh goodness, what am I going to come up with? And then it became one of those things, what am I going to say because I've got 20 of them and it's only been seven days. And you saw how it caused you to think about all the things that happened in your life that week. It began to orient your mind around what God was doing and not the busyness of your life. And so think of ways, how are you going to be a thankful person? Paul says, when you stop and think about what God has done in your lives, it should cause you to be thankful. If you truly understand the message of the gospel, if you're truly a born-again believer, you'll have a spirit of thankfulness. But Paul also teaches that gratitude and thankfulness is a strategy for us to combat false teaching and idols in our lives. See, the Colossians were struggling with people teaching them things that were not true of the Scriptures. That these teachings were going to undermine their confidence in the Lord. That they were going to undermine the truths of Christ. And so Paul says when you are grounded in Christ, when you're grounded in the faith, and when you are a thankful person, that you will have a defensive strategy against false teaching. And so one of the first indicators of a departure from God and Christ is a lack of thanksgiving. Paul says it elsewhere in Romans 1.21, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Those that are overflowing with thankfulness are less likely to fall prey to anxiety and doubt. They're less likely to be caught up with the lies of this world to be led away by false teaching that promises hope and pleasure. They're not moved by false promises that this world makes. They don't trust in those philosophies. Instead, they trust in the truths of Scripture. They understand the real truth of Christ's death and resurrection. They allow it to take root into their lives, and they are not able to withhold their thankfulness. That is what Paul calls us to do. A life that is marked by Christ overflows with praise and thanksgiving. And the beauty in all of this is that a thankful heart will even strengthen us and our understanding and grip of the truth. That it will further root us in Christ, that it causes us to be built up and established in the faith. That it causes us to continue in Christ, to receive Him as we already have and continue in Him. And so tonight we have an opportunity. We must choose to live for Christ alone and abound in thanksgiving. To abound in thanksgiving for what God has done, has done, and is doing through us because of Jesus Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Please join me in prayer. Father, we admit tonight that it is so easy for us to take for granted our relationship with you. It is so easy for us to begin well, but not continue well. And God, I pray that if we have fallen prey to false philosophies and empty deceit, God, that you would call us back to the truths of Scripture. God, that we would continue in our relationship with you. And God, as you root us in Christ, as you build us up, as you establish and strengthen our faith, God, may we see 
all the evidences of your grace in our life. And God, may we overflow with thanksgiving. May we exceed, may we abound, may we praise your name in every opportunity we have. And God, as we do that, may others see the thankfulness we have. May they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. God, help us to honor and glorify you as we go this evening. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We have one final song, a hymn of commitment. If you have a public decision you would like to make or a prayer request, you can come down front at this time.